And welcome to the Nate Taylor Show. I'm Jay Binkley with Nate Taylor at by Nate Taylor on Twitter. Chiefs get the win 13 to 7. They move to 5 and 4. And Nate, we're officially on. Well, at halftime, we were officially on to the second half of the season. <laughs> oh, nothing like a little 17 game odd number. But hey, the Chiefs were up 13 to nothing, Jay. And. Somehow 13 points held because the Chiefs defense, give them credit, uh, they did not let a rookie, oh, I shouldn't say a rookie, but they did not let a first-time starting quarterback in his second year ever feel comfortable uh, in Jordan Love of the Green Bay Packers, obviously playing in place of Aaron Rodgers, who we all learned last week, not vaccinated. We uh, thought we'd have a Mahomes-Rodgers showdown. We did not get treated that yeah, once again. Yeah, just again. When the NFL makes a big deal about the schedule and it's May and football and hey, that's going to be a lovely, just awesome early November afternoon, primetime game of the week. Mm. Fox. <laughs> Who's more disappointed, Fox or uh, Packers? Because you know the Chiefs love this. They're not 5-1 and one against quarterbacks making their debut at Arrowhead. That's a great stat. I did not know that. They were loving that, man. The Chiefs were loving it. I mean, Spagnola, you know, was dialing it up. Mm-hmm. The pressure, I've seen anywhere from 49 to 53% with the blitzes from Spags. But, you know, defense looked good. We'll talk about the defense quite a bit tonight. But the offense, we'll start with the offense yeah. now. It was now, 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 by the way, Fox was still trying to tell people, hey, you, you're at least going to get to see Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense. And then they didn't score a point in the second. <laughs> <laughs> the deferral worked. You know, they stop on defense. The offense goes down methodically. A nice uh, eight-minute drive yeah. for the Kansas City Chiefs. They score a touchdown, and I didn't think that'd be the only one, Nate. I didn't think they'd be the only one with this offense. Well, what do you think is the biggest issue with this offense? Obviously, you know, with Patrick Mahomes, he thinks the offense will come around at some point. Mm-hmm. We're in one of the second half mm-hmm. of the season. A lot of people were talking about that play where, you know, the intermediate play to Travis Kelsey that was open. He decided to go deep to McCole Hardman. And uh, it was one of those situations, you know, my, speaking of that play, here's Mahomes. Yeah, I, I saw I saw Trav come open. Um, I kind of just wanted to give it a chance. I mean, even though their defenses are playing so deep, uh, you want to still have the chance to take those shots. I missed a couple of them today. Um, but, um, yeah, you just got to know when, when to take it and when to just take it underneath. And that's something that I continue to have to get better at as the season goes on. It seems like something because you're Yeah, I think I'm just trying to, to give ourselves guys some chances. I mean, it was close. I mean, McCall had a, almost had a chance. He kind of got pulled up there at the end. Um, but um, he, he, I mean, he, he tried to run underneath it and make a play happen. And uh, that's kind of the chance. The chances you take, you take the deep shot. Is sometimes you want to go for that deep shot, get that 60 yard touchdown, whatever it is. But you could have a 20 yard completion over the middle. So it's kind of that risk reward factor. There you go, Nate. Chiefs are trying to make something happen. Obviously, this is the play that people are talking about. Travis Kelsey was kind of open in the middle. Would have been a nice 20 yard reception, depending on the kind of yak. Kelsey had at that time, but he goes deep to McCole Hardman to get that one-on-one matchup like he wanted, and one day big play for the offense. Andy Reid said he was okay with that. I was curious your opinions on that. Are they, is this a situation the Chiefs is not taking what's given to them, or going out and trying to just kind of recreate the team that we thought they were? Yeah, it's it's a tough uh, balance for Patrick Mahomes and the offense, in particular Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator, and Andy Reid, the head coach. Um, they're trying to manufacture 
things that kind of came within the flow of the offense. Uh, when defenses were playing them a lot differently, whether that was press coverage, whether that was having just one deep safety instead of two deep safeties. Um, from from my vantage point, Jay, the biggest problem with the Chiefs offense, and I hope our listeners understand where I'm going with this, is there isn't just a big problem. There's like all these medium-sized problems that are adding up to create a situation where you score 20 points against the Giants and then you follow it up the next week against a better Packers defense with just 13 points. And so what I mean by that is they are still having issues with penalties at the most inopportune times. Um, the Chiefs could have gone up 14 nothing after the muff punt from the Packers early in the second quarter. They had the ball at the 10-yard line. You had the ball at the 10-yard line. You move it to the one. Uh, it's fourth and goal from the one. Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy say, hey, we got to play. Let's trust the guys to execute it. If we get stopped, hey, we're giving the ball back to Jordan Love, a young quarterback in his first career start, and he has to go 99 yards to tie the game. Well, instead, Darrell Williams has a false start. Uh, so that backs you up to the six. Andy says, get off the field. <laughs> and they kick a field goal. Jay, there were drops at the most unopportune times. There were three drops or three misconnections on yeah, third Kelsey down drop play. One, Hardman, Hardman dropped drop one. one. A couple, yeah. And, and so now the drive stalls. Now, from a coaching standpoint, Andy Reid and Derek Benamy are going, well, can we really go for it on fourth down? Because you just dropped the ball on third down, which is the money down. Like, we, we, we know that teams are trying to make us be – uh, methodical, trying to matriculate the ball down the field. Uh, the Chiefs did a wonderful job on the opening drive with the 15-play sequence that ends with Kelsey getting the one-yard touchdown pass. And so now you get to the next problem, which is Mahomes saying, well, Kelsey's open, but ah, why don't I just go get a 40- or 50-yard completion when it's not clearly wide open. It's more of a 50-50 ball. Now, uh some people will tell you from those type of circumstances, either A, you get the pass interference, which, you know, it wasn't an obvious missed call, but, you know, it, it's a judgment call. Well, it's what Manning did all the time, trying to force that yeah, guy. Yeah, Because he was getting them, and Brady does the same thing. Mm-hmm. Well, the second thing is maybe McCole catches it, and he looked like he didn't adjust to the ball or, like, the depth of it super well just because um, Mahomes was trying to air it out a little bit more to the right versus maybe where the route was – uh, initially being ran. And then thankfully, you know, it, it wasn't intercepted uh, and it just lands incomplete. And then I think fans need to realize this too. Like Mahomes still had more opportunities on that drive to complete some passes. And then Travis Kelsey dropped the ball, kids. Uh, Tyreek Hill slipped a couple times on the field. Uh, that's been an interesting thing to watch. Uh, we're like, hey, your best wide receiver keeps slipping on your own home field. Like what's going on with the cleat situation? Um, the offensive line I thought played well, but they were playing their basically their third best tackle at right tackle with Andrew Wiley. And Orlando Brown had his best game. Yes. And so there's just all these middle to like nagging to like this is irritating problems. I wouldn't say the one biggest issue on offense all year, Jay, has been that they've uh, they've led the league in turnovers. And guess what? They didn't have a turnover. So at least they didn't shoot themselves completely in the foot. But there's so many other things where I don't know necessarily who to blame, but I just know that, like, everybody's got a hand in it to where the running backs 
you know, when they get their touches, they're not making them super highlight worthy. Uh, Daryl Williams had the longest carry of the day. It was 11 yards. Mahomes' longest completion was 25 yards. Uh, so they don't have the big play. Uh, they're still being penalized and pushing themselves backwards. At 27 in the last three games. That's not great, Jay. That's not great. So all that adds up to is, hey, at least your quarterback didn't make a terrible decision. At least your quarterback played his best in the second half when you absolutely needed him to in the last drive. And we'll see if that magical Mahomes-like moment in the in the last pass attempt will translate to next week against the Las Vegas Raiders. But I think the biggest issue is that you can't identify just one thing. There's there's several that they got to correct, and you hope maybe half of them are not an issue against the Raiders um, because if they persist, you're going to be a team that, as we expected, to be averaging around 30, 33 points a game. So all of a sudden now they're, now they're scoring 20s, 13s, and – you do that, it doesn't matter how well your defense yeah, 12 plays. Place a, 12, 12 points a game in the last three for the Kansas City Chiefs. Andy Reid after the game said a lot of the same things you're talking about, being on the same page. Everybody includes everybody, though. Yeah, when I say not on the same page, it's, it's working. Are the play, is it working? Are we dropping the ball? Are we having penalties? Are we doing these things? So it just doesn't, it's got to all fit. And that's what we've done in the past. This is a new team, and you know, we've got some pieces in there that we got to. You know that we're taking care of and learning and all that. So, uh, but those are plays that we normally make. The important thing was that we we did come together there at the end, and and then we had productive plays. Yeah. And listen, I'm part of that, so I can do better and put them in position to get these things too. So I mean, it's we've all got a little piece of this. So he's putting everybody in piece. We've heard this before, though. I mean, we've we've heard this before. We'll get them corrected. Now, will they though? Because going to a Tennessee game, second most efficient offense ever. Obviously, we know the turnovers. We're hurting the Chiefs early on. Can they return to form when they're not turning the ball over? I I love that that little second, and I wonder yeah. if everybody heard it. Where Andy goes, "Oh yeah, but it's it's also it's also me too. It's also yeah, me too." I did too. Which, which let me translate that, ladies and gentlemen. Look, y'all, we had a great game plan. Look, <laughs> we could have scored a touchdown from the one yard line on fourth and goal. I had it. I had it dialed up. Uh, you know, the quarterback missed some throws. Our receivers didn't catch the ball. As efficiently as I would like it. The offensive line, you know, we got some false starts, some hold penalties. <laughs> like, letting, you know, we gave up only one sack. That's fine. But, like, we didn't really push. We didn't really dominate in the run game. So, it's funny to me hearing that again. Andy basically saying, hey, some weeks it's more coach issue. I feel like Andy rewatched that game and said, man, um, our players just didn't play as well as we – anticipated and expected based on us having a good game plan and that game plan presenting problems to the Packers and it not translating to more points on the scoreboard. And the one thing about it too is they did finish on the high note that last drive, whether that's something to build on or not, who knows? I mean, you saw the way they finished the game, Andy Reid on finishing the game. I just thought our last drive was um, kind of vintage Patrick, Kelsey, Tyreek, you know, the guy, uh, 17 had it. All right, so he's talking about the end of the game being vetted. We talked about I talked about that a little bit on the post game. Again, I don't know how much momentum matters because it hasn't translated before. The Washington there were the Philly game didn't have any momentum going to Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Washington the second half didn't have any momentum that went to Tennessee. But he hits Kelsey for a nice game. Then he hits Tyree Kill on third and ten for a 13 yard game. Escaped out of the pocket. 
Tyreek Hill made a great catch, yes. ran a great route. That's the vintage Chiefs we're used to seeing how they close this game out. Now, will it carry over to the Raiders? I don't. We'll get to the Raiders in a second, but they got a lot of things going on, including yes. two of their first round picks from a year ago, not a team anymore. But and they lost this past weekend to the Giants. But regardless, is that something to build on? Well, it's time to start convincing everybody, including themselves, we must build on this. Uh, hey, you know, Jay, last week we asked the Chiefs, hey, why don't you win two games in a row? And they've done that. And, and so now we must ask the Chiefs to build, at least the offense, um, build off the momentum, off the excellent play where Mahomes, uh, I thought, did a good job of staying in the pocket, reading the play, realizing it wasn't there, and at least was comfortable to be himself, which is obvious. Yeah, which is obviously clutch. You know, improvising, extending the play, and letting that arm rip, and the ball being there on time uh, to create, you know, a chance for Tyreek Hill to become open. Uh, for next week's game, I think what I'm so interested to see is not necessarily the first drive, but like how does this team play late in the first quarter and in the second quarter on offense? Because that's when we started to see them sort of have a dip in production. Once that script is off. Exactly. So Mahomes let out a lot of emotion on that completion, Dre. He, he pumped his fist. Uh, you know, he he sort of let the Packers know, uh, I am who I am, even though I didn't play that well, or my statistics don't, you know, suggest that I played as, as up to my uh, expectations. And I think for Mahomes, it's just, hey, you didn't turn the ball over. You made better decision. His stat line would have looked a lot better had his receivers caught more of his passes on time and in rhythm. But in terms of carrying this over, uh, I think Patrick Mahomes has to tell himself that. I think for Travis Kelsey, you know, he was there when he absolutely needed to be there to start the drive um, to end the last five minutes or so of the game. And for the offensive line, we'll see if Lucas Niang, with his rib injury, if that's a if that's a lingering thing, if that's a long-term thing, or if Andrew Wiley will have to uh, you know, be that spot starter for a few weeks. But for the rest of the offense, just look at that last play. Like, that's who your quarterback is. Like, don't ever forget that even if things aren't going well, even if the season has been perplexing and as bizarre as we've all come to understand it, your quarterback can still do, can still do remarkable things even when everything isn't going well. And – if Mahomes can do that, then it's time for everybody around him to sort of raise their level, raise their focus and concentration, and do the simple things so that the highlights are noticeable and lead to more points. Something to watch these games with the Raiders have been close. But coming up next, you'll listen to the Nate Taylor Show. Coming up next, Melvin Ingram provides a nice little spark to this defense. How big was it for that pass rush? We discuss that next. You're listening to The Nate Taylor Show, Monday nights at 7, on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. I thought he did well. I mean, you know, from just sometimes I'm on the bench, sometimes I'm up, so I don't get to see every snap. Um, but what I saw in practice, I liked it. It looked like it carried over. He's very, very smart, and he's got good leadership, and I could feel that today on the ones I was watching. Um... And then he he was bringing it, you know. He he did a nice job. And the guys, uh, you know, you got our guys welcomed him in, which isn't always the case with teams. Um, and then Brendan used all of them, he used all the guys, and so um, everybody had a chance to get out there and rattle it around a little bit. Andy Reid on Melvin 
Ingram, Jay Binkley, Nate Taylor, the Nate Taylor Show with you now. But uh, Andy said a couple things there, Nate. Obviously, this defense had been trending in the right direction. Ingram helped. These guys like mm-hmm. Frank Clark went on one on on after the game, but how much he likes Melvin Ingram, how yep. much he wanted him to be a chief. One of the first teammates to reach out after the trade. He did. He re- reached right out to him. Chris Jones obviously likes Melvin Ingram around, but this is a delicate balance the front offices have to weigh. And I've seen a couple moves with guys to come in, and it's just been a home run. Terrell Suggs is one of those guys. Yep. That team was going the places. First, yep, that was the first name that was coming in my mind. Hall of Famer. I mean, he brought a notebook with him, all the, the meetings. Pre- and previous other players champion with the Ravens. Yep. Yeah, previous champion. He had that, he had that street cred, a, that football credibility that guys look for, that, that, that respect earned Yes, with, with Terrell Suggs. I, I feel like Ingram's got that as well with mm-hmm. the Chiefs. Andy talked about there. He says they don't always – open up their arms when you're on different teams when you bring guys in. But sounds like Ingram, nice job. He got a little action uh, playing in this game. Made a difference, I thought, with his pass rush, especially you know on that inside. It gives teams another something to think about with Melvin Ingram on that field. It really does. And uh, when I rewatched the game earlier today, uh, he just he's just so smart in how he approaches. I can't use the 24, though. Attack. Well, I mean. He, he looks sleeker at 24. But go yes, ladies and gentlemen, Melvin Ingram was eight earlier this year in Pittsburgh. He is now 24. Kobe. Um, it is a tribute to Kobe Bryant. Um, but when I watch Melvin Ingram, I just see four legitimate pass rushers now. Uh, and, and, Jay, this is the first time I could say that all year because early in the season, I don't know if you remember, but I was like, don't ever count on the pass rush. I was basically <laughs> like, no, don't ever count on it. It's never happening. Uh, this team, if you if they get any pressure, it's mostly a bonus. And now I'm going to have to walk it back a little bit. And I, and I wrote earlier today in The Athletic that uh, the Chiefs have four legitimate pass rushers, and Melvin Ingram is that fourth and final piece coming to, you know coming aboard after, uh, or I should say before last week's trade deadline. And he got pressure um, on Jordan Love. On the first third down, he was the first defender to actually you touch. You mean pressure when you want the blitz sometimes? Uh, I mean – the Chiefs didn't have to blitz on every third down, and no. yet Jordan Love was pressured on almost half of his uh, dropbacks in yesterday's game. Uh, obviously, a lot of people were asking me, and I, and I think we talked about this sort of at the end of last week's show, Jay, but the idea that, hey, now that, you know, if you do go get Melvin Gordon, or excuse me, Melvin Ingram, now I've been, you can, I've been doing that too, by the way. Yeah, it's, it's tough. <laughs> it's tough, kids. Uh, now you can move Chris Jones full-time at defensive tackle, and we essentially saw that against the Packers, and, man, was he dominant. Um, Frank Clark has a burst now off the ball that I have not seen in almost a year. He's been different since that press conference when he talked about, you know, clearing the mind. And fully healthy. Because he had a lot on his mind. I get that. There's yep. a lot of stuff. That the health has been involved. But Frank Clark has looked like a different guy. And if Melvin Ingram is one of those guys that gives him a little bit of spark mm-hmm. because he's on there. But who's going to benefit the most, do you think, for Melvin Ingram being on the defensive line? I is Jaron Reed part of this equation? Jaron Reed is 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 also a part of this. Um, I thought he played a very good game. He he's taking on double teams a little bit better than earlier this season. Um, and again, what Frank was mentioning yesterday that I hadn't really thought and put together is okay. If you know that the opposing tackles may need help from either a tight end or running back, okay, so that leaves essentially the three interior linemen for either Jones or Jaron Reed. Somebody's going to be one-on-one most times. And I assume 
uh, as we move forward this season, you're going to see teams dedicate two interior linemen, center and guard, to Chris Jones, leaving perhaps Jaron Reed one-on-one with a chance to win and create pressure on the interior. So, you know, Jones is still going to be excellent. Um, I think he's still one of the best interior defensive linemen in the league. But this will give Jaron Reed more chances to have success. And if you have speed coming off the edge, now the quarterback has to step up. That allows Jaron Reed and, and and Chris Jones, maybe Tershawn Wharton as well, to have chances uh, to either bat a ball down or get their hands on the quarterback. And moving forward, I, I want to describe it this way, Jay. We saw the Chiefs defense do what they had to go do what they had to do against the Giants, a team without that many skill position players. We just saw them beat the Packers, a team without their starting quarterback, but with plenty of skill position players. And they've done well in both scenarios. Jay Steve making Devontae Adams look silly on the play. Now, we assume we'll get a fully functioning NFL offense next week with the Las Vegas Raiders. Derek Carr, minus yesterday, has performed pretty well this season. Uh, Darren Waller, still a threat. Uh, If the Chiefs can get... Into Sean Jackson now. Yep. We don't know if he'll play, but there no. might be a chance. Uh, but obviously the Chiefs will see him later on down the season, at least in the rematch. If the Chiefs can get consistent pressure on Derek Carr and that offensive line, then I'll be sold fully that this team may be a much different version of itself on defense just because not only is the secondary healthy and playing well, obviously with Juan Thornhill and Legarius Sneed sort of coming on of late, Traverius Ward's been – pretty serviceable to like near just above average, um, especially last week. And now you got a pass for us where you say, hey, we can blitz what we want to because we don't have to blitz all the time because we're not getting home with four. They were actually getting real pressure on Jordan Love, who never, as I mentioned earlier in the show, just never looked comfortable, especially when it was third and long and everybody in the building knows you're passing the football. So put Derek Carr in those situations. See if the Chiefs, as you mentioned earlier, Jay, can get a lead and let those pass rushers really get after it. And we didn't even see all of Melvin Ingram's pass rushing moves. I mean, he's still learning the scheme. Uh, where's the spin move? Where's the long arm? You're, you're, you're going to see more outside-inside moves uh, just because he's a savvy veteran and knows how to get to the quarterback. But for right now, this was a great a great you know little preview, a little hors d'oeuvre, a little <laughs> appetizer for a pass rush that is – much more lethal than it was a month ago. And we'll get into what he does. Melvin Ingram does against the Raiders in the next segment because he does some uh, nasty things to them. Uh, this, this is kind of what we're talking about. Frank Clark and Melvin Ingram. You can tell right away that respect, kind of what we're talking about with what he brings. Uh, man, I like Melvin. You know, Melvin. We like Melvin. Um, even you know, before he came here, you know, I was a big fan of Melvin. Um, we always had um, conversation and always talked to each other, um, you know, like my big bro. Um, so um, having Melvin, adding Melvin to the bunch, you know, it's only going to help us out in the long run, I feel. Um, he, he does some special things, you know. Some, some things, you know, everyone has yet to see, mm-hmm. you know, here with the Chiefs. And, uh, and I feel like the way he's going to be utilized in the future, you know, it's only going to be a benefit to us defensively. So there you go, what you're saying. We haven't seen it all yet for Melvin Ingram. He kind of aged him there. He's only a couple years older than Frank Clark. <laughs> but I guess big brothers could be two years older. So yeah, that's and, how they're going to look at it. But you can tell how much he likes him right there. Yeah, and to get on the phone and be like, hey, 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 yeah. if it's not working in Pittsburgh, <laughs> I'll, I'll talk to Brett Veach right now. Like, I'll, I'll do it. You want me to do it? You want me to text him? Like, it's it's so funny how, um, and maybe some people don't uh, 
completely have connected the dots. But look, um, one of the reasons, uh, obviously, the Chiefs went out and got Frank Clark was because they obviously needed a premier pass rusher. He had already had a really fun relationship with Chris Jones. They became buddies instantly. And now <laughs> Frank Clark in the offseason is like, hey, one of my one of my good guys, Jaron Reed, got you know released as a salary cap casualty. The Chiefs go out and get him uh, to add to the interior. And now... Hey, someone I've admired all my careers. Now, what are my teammates? Uh, you know, Frank Clark, the you know defensive line acquisition whisperer. Yeah, and Chris Jones made there. We'll talk about him coming up in the next segment because he's finally back to his home. Finally back where I think a lot of people, including myself, wanted him to mm-hmm. be on that inside. Melvin Ingram gives him that flexibility to do it. But coming up next, I'm going to ask you a question, Nate. What do you believe in more, this defense keeping this up or the offense turning around? You believe mm. in the offense or the defense going forward? We address that next on the Nate Taylor Show. You're listening to The Nate Taylor Show, Monday nights at 7, on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Um, I think we're playing with a lot of swagger. Um, playing with a lot of swagger right now. Um, getting back to that cheese ball, you know, for the last three years, since I've even been here. You know, we sort of take that turn mid-season defensively usually. You know, um, you know, beginning of the season is always rocky. Um, it's kind of, you know, we kind of getting used to it at this point. Um, you know, you kind of rocky, you kind of, you know, getting getting in the scheme, understanding, you know, the new plays and different things that's been added, you know, where different players, you know, we started the season off with Chris at end. You know, that, that alone, you know, for a player like him, that's that's kind of, you know, your scheme is different now. You know, what you're getting on, on from the opposing offenses are different. So um, I just feel like, you know, just getting back to what we know best. And, um, you know, Chris moving back into that three tech, um, him being dominant in there, um, you know, me doing what I got to do on the edge. I feel like it all just works hand in hand. Hey, welcome back to Nate Taylor show. Jay Binkley and Nate Taylor getting the swagger back. Chris Jones moves the inside. Well, he kind of liked it. I think Frank Clark <laughs> really wanted to see him back at the three technique where he was so dominant and he spelled it out there. They, uh, they had their swagger back. Do you believe in it? Cause you know, you, you go back to that Chargers game, Mexico City, Chargers 312 yards in the first half. Chiefs shut them down to about 126 in the second half. That's when the light switch really came on to me for that 2019 defense. Started out a little rocky. Yep. You know, when the Bob Sutton, you know, starts wearing off a little bit the Spag <laughs> system. Do they have their swagger back? I mean, I guess I'm going to ask you this. So I, I said I'd ask you this question. Do you believe more in the defense this is really who they are? And do you believe the offense – We'll flip the switch, or are they who they are? I'm going to slightly hedge in the offense's favor. And I thought about this during the break. And um, I By think, the way, that Chargers game is week nine. <laughs> ooh, I, I think I, I, I've, Chiefs fans want me to say that I'm going to lean more on the offense changing it around. Because, again, you can't, you can't win playoff games scoring 13 points or scoring 20 points probably. Uh, yes, they haven't, you know – for at least two games this season, they haven't turned the ball over. And guess what, kids? They won both those games against the Browns and obviously yesterday against the Packers. Um, I, I think hopefully as the season goes along, uh, Travis Kelsey will get a little bit more healthier. Um, I thought he played fine when he caught the football. I thought he was open quite a bit. Obviously, we talked about the long pass that went, you know, where he was open in the middle of the field. Uh, look, Tyreek Hill is, is still excellent for, for – uh, much of this season. Um, I mean, can McCole Hartman have as bad of a game as he had 
last yesterday again? I don't I don't think. I mean, I don't think it could get worse. So I'm assuming it's going to get better with McCole. Um, maybe Josh Gordon. I mean, there's some of these problems going back to preseason even. True. Yeah. Maybe Josh Gordon catches a pass. I'm just, you know. We hey. keep saying that, Nate. We keep saying it. I do too. I keep thinking it and it doesn't happen. Um, but I am holding out hope. And because Clyde Edwards Alaire, and, and Andy Reid mentioned this today, because Clyde Edwards Alaire is close, we don't know if it'll necessarily be this upcoming week against the Raiders or the following week, but he'll return to practice here later on this month at some point. Because Clyde Edwards Alaire will be back. Um, they can get a little bit more of explosiveness, some shiftiness in the running game uh, to where that offense can be more balanced. And then, look, they, they played Daniel Jones and they played, you know, Jordan Love on kind of short notice because, again, he didn't know he was going to start until Wednesday uh, of last week. So the, this is, this is you know, if this is the high mark of, like, the Chiefs' defense in terms of points surrendered, but they obviously are competent, can play complimentary, can get a turnover like Legarius Sneed had yesterday. Um, then I think that's I think that's sort of the the needle that we're trying to thread. Hey, can the defense, you know, maintain a lot of this nice play that they've had um, because they've had their eleven best players on the field for the majority of the last two games, obviously Melvin Ingram included, and then the offense. I mean, Mahomes. I assume we'll get back to playing more excellent quarterback play with an offense that will have some explosiveness to it. That'll be a little bit more efficient in the red zone. Can they cut down the turnovers? Uh, I'm going to say the offense slightly more than the defense. There you go. Good answer. There's something you tweeted out uh, last night, Nate. Uh, of course, you talked about the swagger in one of your deals because these are the points you like to, yes. that you heard and you mm-hmm. like to uh, to talk about. You also tweeted about this. Feel good. I mean, you know, that's where home is, fam. And um, I feel like, you know, when he's able, it's, a, it's an automatic mismatch when, you know, those guys dare to slide just one person on them and, you know, um, hope for the best when they got him going rushing against, a, a you know, just one guard, you know. But, um, you know, it just it opens up the game for other players as well. You know, the opposing tackle um, in there, you know, opens up a lot of one-on-ones for him and gives him a lot of chance to get to the quarterback as well. Yeah, he will still be on the outside from time to time. He had a couple snaps there yesterday. I think – Early on with the Chiefs, we were talking about Chris Jones because he is back to his home now. Doug Farrar from USA Today looked at every single defensive tackle. He said he was the best three technique in the yeah, NFL yeah, last in, season. Yeah, okay. Oh, in last season. Last okay. season. He yeah. had high hopes for Jaron Reed, too. He said yeah. he was one of the best four eyes. But regardless, I understand what they were thinking. All right, Jones gets back. We've seen him do this where he switched at the last second from inside to outside. They thought, all right, let's play a little chess with yes. the opposing quarterback. Where's Chris Jones going to line up? But with injuries and everything else, I mean, this – him being on the inside makes this defense better, in my opinion. It really does because he has a quickness that guards and centers are just always going to have trouble with, whether he wants to shoot a gap um, when he expects a running play or when he wants to use his hands to sort of get around because he's got length, too. I mean, you know, he is, uh, I believe, 6'3". Is that, is that what Chris Jones is um, listed as? I mean, he's taller than most defensive tackles, which gives him another advantage, but – um, six six. Oh, six six. Excuse me. Wow. I mean, you cut him off three inches. Man. Wow. What am I doing? Uh, and he's under three hundred pounds because of the whole yoga yes, and, yes. So yeah. he's flexible. Time to gain that weight again. He's flexible. He's quick. He's got really strong hands. Um, he can take what you're doing and can counter attack it in a just brilliant manner at times. And 
usually when the quarterback sees six six Chris Jones, they don't feel comfortable. Um, and for Frank Clark to acknowledge, hey, this is my guy's home, that is the sign of don't move him. Because if he's saying it, don't, you know a lot of the other players are thinking the same yes, thing. Yes, don't, don't move my guy. We tried it. It was fun. We need to win and be our best at our best positions. Uh, it also, I think, gives Frank some ease because, as we acknowledge, he's been playing a lot better these last couple of weeks. So if you get pressure from the outside and pressure from the inside, well, that's that's the way the scheme's supposed to work. That's the way you beat, you know, any offensive line um, in terms of, you know, harassing the quarterback and, and getting the timing and the rhythm of the offense off. Uh, this is – this will be, you know, if they stay healthy, which, again – in NFL, kids, it's it's always an if. But with these last eight games left, I'm interested to know what the splits will be statistically of, hey, when they started the Giants game, Jay, you know this, they were last in the league in sacks with eight. I wonder what the, what the split will be moving forward starting Sunday against the Raiders because, as we said earlier, these are the four guys that you know you have who can win one-on-one matchups, who have excellent skill sets that you can utilize. And you got a good defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnuolo, that can scheme up blitzes, whether they're zero coverage blitzes where you're bringing everybody or you're trying to overload and make the quarterback um, really decipher things in the moment uh, after the ball is snapped. So uh, if you're a Chiefs fan, you're saying, hey, can we be, can we be a top-10 team in terms of getting sacks in the second half of the season? And that trend will let you know that you're – ready to compete at the highest level in the playoffs. Well, seven pressures from Chris Jones. I remember Derek Johnson always talking about, you know, having those defensive tackles in front of him and how much more comfortable he felt playing the position with guys in front of him he really trusted. Yes. You know, like Don Tari Poe was, you know, mm-hmm. here on the defensive it's a line. great example. Yeah. By the way, the defensive, um, the points per drive is at 249 now for the Chiefs. Hey! The Jets in Washington sit at 278. The Chiefs moved to 27. Remember how they were? Last mm-hmm, in the league, and mm-hmm. we were going on that steady Raiders, progress. That's Raiders, what, that's what the they're way, that's what they're chasing after. Raiders pretty good. They're thirteenth in the NFL, one point nine seven points per drive. Where the Raiders are as far as that. Don't forget the Nate Taylor question. Jay Southland Toe Service text line nine one three five seven six seven six ten. Nate, now uh, look at the Raiders, the Raiders Chiefs rivalry. Plus your questions next. You're listening to The Nate Taylor Show, Monday nights at 7, on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. And welcome back to The Nate Taylor Show. Jay Binkley and Nate Taylor. Coming up next, the Raiders. Chiefs, 8 of the last 10 against the Raiders, 11 out of 13. Really, this doesn't mean anything, because in 2014, Chiefs were 7-3. and three. Raiders were 0-10. I remember I had JT the Brick on the show. And he says, ah. he says, when the Raiders win, this will derail the Chiefs' season. That's from JT. And that's exactly what happened. It derailed the Chiefs. That's the one year Andy Reid hasn't made the playoffs as mm. coach with the Chiefs. 2014, what happened against the Raiders in 2014. Obviously, the Raiders beat the Chiefs last year. Little victory lap for them. But the Raiders, all right, they lose the Giants last weekend. I I still think the Raiders are a very good football team, to be honest with you. I, I think they're good. Um, they've gone through a lot of stuff, though. Richard Ascio, the head coach now. Yep. John Gruden gone. Uh, <laughs> their top two first-round picks from 2021 was Henry Ruggs. Obviously, we know what happened to him. He was the 12th overall. And Damon Arnett released today. Yes. Um, he after, was a, After threatening 
Yes, he, yeah, he, someone with a gun. Yes, there's they. It's, yes, the Raiders have had their issues, but they were two first round picks in 2020, and that's not how you build a team. Mayock got a lot of credit for how he's built his team in 2019 when he had Max Crosby and yep. company. 2020 was a disaster because that's especially when you blow two first round picks. And we're in 2021 season; they're already gone. It's bad for the Raiders, but Chiefs and Raiders. Uh, you know the Raiders sitting there five and three like the Chargers. Obviously, the Chiefs need this AFC win, this divisional win, yes. which is important. Andy Reid, 31-6 and six since this division, since 2015. He's really had mastery of it. He's 7-3 and three against the Chargers, 12 out of 15. It going In their last 15 games, he's won 11 straight against the Broncos. He's had a commanding deal on the Raiders, even though they get that win last year. What are you expecting in this game? Because the Raiders do, it doesn't matter the Chiefs' record. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Raiders have a, you know, a nicer record here with one less loss than the Kansas City Chiefs. But they like and they get up for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, and the Raiders need a get-back win in the in the most desperate ways because they understand that from a narrative standpoint, their season appears to be sliding uh, given all the things you just uh, reminded the audience of, Jay, in terms of, look, their, their locker room has felt significantly different every week because someone isn't there anymore. Um, for the Chiefs, uh, this is a chance to sort of take the division and put it on notice, right? If the Chiefs can go to Las Vegas and win their third straight game in prime time, uh, it kind of puts them in the driver's seat to go win the division, as weirdly as it sounds, if they are 6-4, and four, because everybody in the AFC West is in a congested five-win situation, right? Uh, the only reason, perhaps, that the, Which five of the next eight games are the division. Yeah, and, and we identified this, I think, right after the Tennessee game, right? The idea that, hey, uh, to get back into the AFC race, did we foresee the Buffalo Bills losing to the Jaguars? No. Did we foresee uh, the Chargers stumbling uh, in the ways they have? Not necessarily, but and obviously, who could who could have thought the Raiders season would be having this much twist and turns from uh, again who is in the locker room and who is not like the next day or the next week? Uh, the Chiefs are weirdly one of the more stabilized franchises right now. Um, I still think they have the best quarterback in the division, um, but this will be a fun matchup because both teams know that they feel like they need to they need to get this win. They need to um obviously beat their you know arch rival. Um but weirdly enough, how this round robin in the AFC West goes will eventually determine who wins the division. And Chiefs fans will place a lot of faith in Andy Reid based on the evidence and the success he's had in previous years. And for Mahomes, uh have they beaten a team in the AFC that you can consider good? They 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 beat the Browns on opening day, the and that's Browns. helped out because they're eighth in the standings down the Browns. They're behind just, it because of that game. Yes, they're just outside and the so playoffs because of that game. Mm-hmm. So it's been seven going on eight weeks, Jay. And the Steelers are ahead of them. They're on the night, so we'll see. So can they beat a good AFC team? We believe the Raiders despite all of sure. their issues, are a good AFC team. Um, that's what I'm interested in. But this and is when they typically fall, when they're 6-4, and 6-3, and three, 
five and three. This is when the Raiders typically slide. Mm-hmm. I understand, and they know that. They, they, and they, they do know, know it, but they've they've had a lot of things going on, which yes. would lead towards typically sliding. Like they they have more going on now than they've had in the past. There's no question about it. I will say this though: good news for the Chiefs and the Raiders. Melvin Ingram, yes, he loves playing the Raiders. In 16 <laughs> games, five forced fumbles, career high. Ten sacks, career high. All right. 19 quarterback hits, career high. Obviously, in the same division, plays them, but he has more than the Chiefs, more than the Broncos. He loves, again, 16 games, five forced fumbles, 19 quarterback hits, 10 sacks. He's only got 50 in his career, 10 of them against the Raiders. He loves playing the Raiders. Are you saying that? Um, I'm just saying that you, you got to put him in the game. He might feel even better after another week of practice. After, That's right. You know, having early success with the Chiefs. Are you. Are you saying, uh, you know, Melvin Ingram will have a nice little meeting with Derek Carr in the backfield? Statistically, it would lend itself to that. Uh, I will I will put it in my, uh, perhaps I'll put it in my predictions uh, ahead of Sunday's game. One thing to think about, too, especially with, um, you know, what the Raiders are, are going through right now. Um, their secondary, probably not as good as. Green Bay's probably not as good as even the New York Giants right now. So if there was a chance for a get back, a get right statistically for Patrick Mahomes and his skill position players, perhaps this is the game where the Chiefs can air it out a little bit more, can get that downfield completion, get into a bigger rhythm, um, and maybe that will lead to more points because uh, I don't feel the Raiders, given everything that's going on, and obviously David Arnett was a cornerback, um, their secondary might not be able to handle the Chiefs the Chiefs offense if the Chiefs offense is on the same page, which is what Andy Reid is asking once again. 28 to get to run, 27 to get to pass. They they struggle in those areas. Scoring defense down for the Raiders, obviously, but they bend but don't break. Yes. That's kind of what this Raiders team does. All right, from the 9-1-3, part of Nate's questions. What'd you make of the debacles yesterday in the NFL with the Broncos oh. pounding the Cowboys? The Titans averaging about what the Chiefs did per play <laughs> and pounding the Rams. Yes. Buffalo losing at Jacksonville. Does anybody in the AFC want to be good? Maybe Baltimore because Lamar Jackson is incredible. Um, 12 100-yard games uh, as a quarterback, yes. topping Michael Vick in that category. Um, it's weird, but the team I trust the most is an injury-riddled one superstar quarterback in Lamar Jackson. They, they've got their issues too. I mean, they got they their sixty-six too. yard NFL record kick to beat the Lions. Right. I I wish I wish Buffalo would would take command, but I, I thought they were the team that was closest to chasing the Chiefs when the season began. They, they don't have, want to. They have not. They have not shown. They have one good win. That was the Chiefs. Yeah, and it's, it's their one good win. And we'll see if the Titans' defense is a legitimate thing because over the last month, starting kind of with the Chiefs game, they've been excellent. They've been turning the ball over. They've been getting pressure on the quarterback. The Titans are leading the AFC, but the Chiefs could still host a home playoff game if they win their division. How did the Carolina Panthers still the second best defense in the NFL when they've been this bad? It's a strange year, kids. <sighs> Can't explain it. Are we are we in the upside down in the NFL? I, I don't know what we're in, but the, yesterday was weird. Yeah, I t- I took it's, a, hit, it's a very stranger thing. I took like hit Survivor, and you should have taken one, too, because the Vikings blew that. Against the Ravens. Hallelujah. I took that the Cowboys were a safe pick. I know. The Broncos were beaten by the Browns with 98% of their offense out. They, they, they go down, they trade Von Miller, and they spanked the Cowboys. Anyway, thanks to Nate Taylor. We'll podcast this a little bit later. Thanks, as always, to Nick Price. Yes, sir. Coming up next, Red Reaction, your takes. Dusty Likens, a dirty werewolf.
and Nick Price. Next.